This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Good morning, Emmanuel. So good to be back with my fam and a big shout out to all of our locations, Spring Lake Park, Maple Grove, Elk River, and uh, what a great summer it's been already. God has been doing so many fun things. I enjoyed watching what God is doing in the next generation. We had a youth camp a few uh, weeks ago, and, and then they secretly recorded the worship at camp, and our students, our youth ministries, released an album a four-song album, first and maybe they'll release more later on. And if you haven't checked it out, I encourage you to do it. You can feel the presence of God, hearing the students call upon Jesus. And you can search for them on any platform. It's Emmanuel Youth. I encourage you to do that. And then uh, weekend after weekend after weekend, didn't this last month, I mean, we had Pastor Ben, Pastor Darren, our staff evangelist, Will Jones, did a great job last week, didn't he? And uh, if you haven't caught their messages, we're looking at the book of Mark. Really, 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 really good stuff. And uh, Jody and I, we got the opportunity to take a little bit of a break, not just from the speaking side of things, but we got uh, on a plane and we went to New York City. And uh, we got into New York and went in and we were in Times Square. How many of you have ever been to Times Square? Wow, what an experience. We went both during the daytime and then we came back at night. There's just marketing everywhere, billboards, people, crazy people on the streets of New York. And, uh, but we also got to go visit uh, two great churches. One was Brooklyn Tabernacle. We went to their Tuesday prayer service, which was powerful. I uh, felt the presence of the Lord. Favorite place in the world for me to go to, by the way, um, because uh, right in that church, you'll have somebody that's a millionaire sitting next to a homeless person. And they're, they both belong in the church, amen? And uh, it's just so fun. And then we also went to Times Square Church, which was founded by David Wilkerson, who also founded Teen Challenge. And Times Square Church is a powerful church with the gospel, and uh, so just had a great time. Anyhow, while we uh, were getting ready, we had to have that moment when we got our suitcases out. And uh, we did carry-on luggage for the trip, and, uh, and that meant that, you know, when you look at the number of days that you're going to be gone, and then you look back at the clothes that you're going to bring, the shoes you're going to have, all the things that you're going to bring, I mean, there's not enough suitcase sometimes. And so we were trying to shove everything in there and going, what should I, nah, I don't know about that, nah. And uh, we hit that spot where we had to determine what we were going to bring with us because we were going somewhere. Today we start a brand new series called Moving Forward. And God is going to bring all of us somewhere. We're moving into the future. And we're going to have to determine what we're going to bring with us and what we're going to leave behind. And today I am encouraged because I believe that God really wants everyone to move forward because God never intended for his kingdom to stop with one download. God has more things for you and for me ahead than we could ever imagine. The story is not over. Turn to somebody next to you and just say, it's not over. It's not over. There's something coming that's next. And uh, God really is the God of the second half, the fourth quarter. There's a new story on the other side. Think of people like Abraham and Sarah, who when they're really old had a child. I know none of you that are really old are praying for a child right now necessarily. 
But, you know, some of you might be. Uh, but the story wasn't over for them. I, I think of a guy like Moses, who at the age of 80 started his ministry. He started out something new. And, and, uh, and then think about Jesus. He died and he came back to life. That's the ultimate comeback story. So the story is not over. Even for those of us that maybe we've messed up, we made some wrong decisions, and we know it. And uh, we've made that wrong decision, and here we find ourselves, we can find hope in somebody like Peter, who denied Jesus three times, and still Jesus said, hey, I still got a plan for your life. And I just believe that God still has plans, and he wants to take us forward into something new. And those of us that have had successes or failures, God still has something in our future. Not just for us individually, but for us as a church. As a matter of fact, today, I'm super excited to talk about the next stage of what God's going to do through the Emmanuel family. You know, it was just a few years ago that Maple Grove became a part of the Emmanuel family. We love you, Maple Grove. And, uh, and thank God, God's done new stories there. And then a couple years after that, Elk River came to the, into the family. And guess what? I get to announce our fourth location this morning because God is expanding the Emmanuel family. And, and we're adopting a congregation called Southland City Church down in Rosemount, Lakeville area. And God is asking us to expand the family because he's leading us forward into something new. Can somebody give a shout for that? I mean, that's pretty cool. Excited about it. In two weeks, there'll be a baton handoff on August the 15th. And, uh, and then here we go, baby. Here we go. God is going to do something new. Well, as God takes us into new things, you, you need to know that it's not just happening in the big church, but you too are going somewhere. And I believe that God will help you find traction in your personal life, in your marriage, God has plans as you lead and raise your kids. Jesus is ready for us to move from a survival season to one of forward motion, leaning into his promises. And our desire as we start this whole series is that all of us will lean into the gold found in the scripture and find hope. See, the Bible has some really good instructions for us if we listen to those instructions. And just like that suitcase or the luggage that we have, we have to pack for our future. Just like I had to pack for New York, we need to think about what we're going to do in the future. And in light of the last 18 months of pandemic, hello, and it feels like 30 years of pandemic, right? We need to consider these questions. I want you to ask yourself these questions today. What have we learned? How have we grown? What have we lost and what are we meant to leave behind? And we're going to find some help in the example of a guy named Paul in the New Testament. Paul was a brilliant, educated scholar in the Old Testament law. He knew it backwards and forwards. He taught it. He was a leader amongst the religious movement of that day. He was so zealous about it and so protective and all in, if you will, that when a new sect developed that was following a guy named Jesus in the New Testament church, and you can follow the story in Acts if you ever want to read his story, you'll see that Paul, his previous name was Saul, was actually used to kill Christians. He was a terrorist to Christians. 
And uh, he actually did it with a clear heart, a clear mind, if you will, pure heart. He wanted to do the right thing. And then one day, Jesus decides to interrupt him on a road to Damascus. It would be the equivalent of you getting on 35 and heading into Minneapolis, okay? And uh, he's on the road, if you will, and God, Jesus blinds him with the blinding light, speaks to him, and there's an incredible conversion experience where now Saul recognizes, holy moly, I got this whole thing wrong. I've been living the wrong way. There's a different truth. How many of you have had those moments in your life where you're like, I thought it was right. I thought it was doing the right thing, but boy, did I mess things up, right? Well, he gets saved. He responds to the, the, the voice of Jesus, and, and then he goes into a discipleship process of learn, learning what it means to follow Jesus. So all of his education that he had wasn't enough to become a disciple. He had to learn another way. He had to go on a journey of discipleship. And by the way, if you're a part of Emmanuel, whether it's your first weekend or maybe you've been coming for a while or you're just joining in with us online, it doesn't matter where you're at in the journey. We, we want to help you grow in your faith. So that's why we encourage everybody to go growth track. Growth track is just a place for you to learn what your opportunities are to be discipled, to grow in discipleship in your journey of following Jesus. You can do that online. You can sign up in our lobbies. Each of our locations have growth track. It runs every single month. I highly encourage you to do that. Well, Saul, who became Paul, had to go through that process of learning. And then eventually, as he was growing, he became an apostle. See, God moved him up. And he became responsible for a whole big chunk of the church world. He would travel to different countries and he would establish churches and cities. And then he would write coaching letters to the leaders of those churches. Those coaching letters are what we now know as the epistles in the New Testament. So books like First and Second Corinthians and, and Ephesians and Philippians and Galatians, all of those are written by Paul to the church. Now, we can now read those letters as if Paul is coaching us because he wants us to win. And you'll discover that in his letters, he drops his guard about a whole bunch of things going on on the inside of him. See, he realizes as he looks backward over his life that there are a whole bunch of things that he did that he regrets. There are a whole bunch of things that he did that maybe Christians shouldn't do, i.e. kill other Christians, right? But then there's also a new story in his life where he began to follow Jesus and good things happened in his story. He did go through uh, a lot of pain and struggle and he went through suffering and he's kind of got both those things inside of his head and he writes to the Philippians and I want you to go ahead and go with me to Philippians chapter three. And we'll see where Paul is talking about his own journey and we can discover how we can leave some things behind and move into God's new through Paul's story. In Philippians chapter three, verse 12, it says, I don't mean, Paul says, to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the, that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past 
and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul tells us there are two things that are essential to move forward. He talks about forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Let me address both of those things, starting with forgetting the past. When he says forgetting the past, what is he referring to? Is he referring to his religious past before conversion or the trials and tribulations since? I say both. He's talking about all of that. We are complicated people. We've got all of that going on up in here. In fact, how many of you, you don't have to show your hands if you don't want to, but since I started preaching, your mind left the room and you thought about something other than my message or what you're doing right now, right? Let's just be honest, your brain goes all over the place, right? And so all of that is actually going on between Paul's two ears and he says, forgetting the past. Forgetting's an active word. And he emphasizes that we should forget some things. What should we forget? Well, I think according to the text here, we should forget spiritual pride. Spiritual pride, he spent the first few verses saying he had reason to brag, but it really was Jesus Christ that brought it all. He was the one that did it overall. And Paul couldn't have pride in his accomplishments because if he did, God resists the proud. Now there's a moment in everyone's story where we have, there's a balancing act. We want, want to remember the good, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but then when we remember the good, are we trying to put ourselves as the hero in every story? Or are we glorifying God through that? And Paul says that there are some things that we do need to let go of. One of those things is the spiritual pride. Even though I could have reason to be prideful, I choose not to be prideful about those things. You know what, in the church world, it's really important for you as you follow Jesus over the years to not become so prideful that you look down your nose at others that are struggling early on in their journey. Brothers and sisters, we need to not look down on each other. We need to deal with it and forget the pride. Secondly, he says, the pain. There's pain. Pain in our past. And, uh, and he had to learn to deal with his pain in his past. There's an interesting little verse in Genesis chapter 41 that I want you to see. A guy named Joseph who went through this crazy long journey of being uh, sold into slavery by his brothers. He was turned in. He was rejected. And then he rose to fame in, a, in his job, and then he got turned in and ended up in prison. Things went from worse to worse. He had pain. I don't know what your story is. Perhaps you've got pain as you think about people who uh, uh, harmed you or hurt you along your journey. You could identify with a guy like Joseph, okay? But there's a cool thing at the end of the journey when Joseph has now come out of all of the struggle and he's actually one of the leaders of Egypt. He's rescued his family and now he's got kids and he has an opportunity to name his kid. And in Genesis chapter 41, verse 51, it says, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. In other words, he still has the memories, but the passion of 
the next generation and the kids that came into his household allowed him to move on from his past. Your pain should not stop you from your future. If you're following Jesus, there's a capacity that God will give you to move beyond your pain. See, the, the word forget, God has helped me forget. The Hebrew word forget often means to not pay attention to or to ignore. To learn to, to not give a whole lot of camping around it, not reminisce in the brain, not think about all the time. In other words, the ability to forget doesn't mean that it's gone. It means that you, go, you don't give it a ton of attention. There is also an opportunity here where we need to recognize when, when Paul is speaking that we have the responsibility to have a time limit to the grieving of our pain. Jewish culture, there was about a year's grieving period. In other places, a week or two. But the reality was that there was a time limit to the grieving. Your pain should not rob your future forever. I've met people who are totally unavailable to God's kingdom in the future because they're bitter about something someone did to them in their past. Listen, for you, forgetting means forgiving. Forgetting means forgiving. Learning to forgive. The longer you hold on to the, the unforgiveness in your heart, the longer you stall your future. So Paul says you need to learn to forget that pain, forgetting it. Third is regret. He says we got to let go of and not take with us on the journey our regrets. Can't go in the suitcase. Because if we think about it all the time, before Jesus intervened, we did all these stupid things, I, and beat ourselves up over and over and over again. We're spiritually hoarding things. We're piling up fear and failures and doubt and broken dreams and hurts and sins and disappointments. We need to make room for God's favor. But there's not room if we've piled all that stuff in. So we need to take it out and deal with it so we have room for our future. We can't run everything on repeat in our brain. Listen, God is not, and Paul is not minimizing loss. Loss is real. It's what you do with that loss that's important. I love what Dr. Henry Cloud says. He says, turn regret into loss and it will open up that part of you to redemptive purposes. You will hunger to do better. In other words, if you have a thing, an emotion, a thought that pops up, what do you do with it? You turn it, man, I can't change the past. I'll acknowledge this moment, but I'll yield it over to God as a loss. That gives you the ability to move beyond the loss into the future. Just a few weeks ago, our third oldest son, Tim, got married. And uh, it was a fun day. Tim and Shinesy are now married and we had built up and prepared for the day, and it was an absolute fun, so full of love and joy, and man, it was, it was a blast. And during the wedding, um, and by the way, Shinesy has made our family so much better. 
Uh, she comes in and she brings her heritage and she's got Mexican and Puerto Rican in her heritage. There's now a part of my family. Come on, somebody. There's life in the family. And by the way, that's a lot like the church, right? A house of prayer for all nations. We should enjoy each other. And so Shiny C brings that in. And, and so Jody and I enjoyed the day. And uh, uh, how many know that at the end of the day of a wedding, the family still has work to do? The bride and groom get to leave, but we still got to clean up, right? So it took another few hours of cleaning up after the reception, and we loaded up. We got home finally well after midnight, and uh, Jody and I finally were ready to head upstairs to our bedroom, and I'm telling you something happened to me that I did not see coming. My foot hit the first step, and all of a sudden I felt this wave of emotion fly over me. And I'm not a crier. I'm always optimistic looking forward, so I'm like, what is going on as it crept up my throat? And we get to the top of the stairs, and I said, Jody, I need to go pray for a little bit. That's my code for I got to go ball my head off in the other room. <laughs> and so, so <laughs> Jody went to bed. I went to the other room, and I just waves of memories and thoughts and memories of not just Tim, but the boys. And I... I opened myself up and I allowed myself to feel what I was feeling, not stuff it, but I did it with the Lord. And as I processed with the Lord, I said, Lord, why am I feeling this way? I'm excited. There's grandkids hopefully around the corner. You know, I love being a grandpa and stuff. And, and so I went, why am I feeling this? And it was as if the Holy Spirit just said, you're leaving an era of your life. So we still have... Josiah, who's 19 at home, but at some point he's going to move out. And I have lived the last 26 years loving being a dad. That doesn't go away, but I was realizing an era was ending. And so because of that, it's loss. Loss creates a feeling and grieving process kicks in. Grieving's okay. It's God's way of helping us work through our emotions. It's okay to go through grieving. You know, what are the, the stages of, of grief? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. You go through those things. But like Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear because you're with me. The important thing is to grieve with the Holy Spirit, to grieve with God, to not stuff it down. Listen, he has an ability to take anything that's negative, any kind of toxins of the grief out, and replace it with hope for the future. The loss is still there, so you have to acknowledge it to, to move on. And I want you to know that for us in the pandemic era, the last 18 months that's felt like 30 years, hello, during this time, we've lost some things. And you know, many people are saying that there's gonna be a tsunami of grief hit different people. Well, that may be true, but I would just say this. For the believer, we should not have a tsunami of grief that wipes us out because we don't weep as those that don't have hope, as the scripture says. We have a different kind of hope, all right? And we know that Jesus can walk us through each and everything. What we need to do is give ourselves permission because in the valley, there is great grace in the, in the valley. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He hears the cries of those who are in pain. So there's a greater grace when you're in that season. And by the way, we need to say thank you, Jesus, for your grace. 
But we also need to have grace for other people. Come on, somebody. Because how many of you have known somebody in the last year that has said something stupid on social media? And we've been mad about it. We've been mad about this person and that person, what they believe, what they say about this and then that. And there's been lots of opportunity for that. But listen, we need to have some grace for people to bounce back. You know, in their worst moment, not judge them for their whole life off that worst moment. And give the grace that we want back. Come on, somebody. I'm wandering off a little bit. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, But most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. So if you name what you're feeling, what you're going through in that loss, yield it to God, it won't steal your future. And by the way, there are some of us that need to go to a professional counselor in that journey. There might be some things that are popping up that you have no idea how to work it through. And I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in finding the right help. But you don't need to stay there your whole life. Go there for the moment that they'll help you fix your emotional broken arm. And then you'll use that arm again and move forward. Deal with it the way you need to. Some of us need to deal with the things that don't go in our suitcase. If we're going to move forward, then we need to leave those things behind. We have to need to neglect it. Forgetting means neglecting it. I'm not going to pay attention to it anymore. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. If there are any things that you've got going on in your brain that just aren't right, it, you got to leave it behind. Let's strip it off. Let's make sure it doesn't make it into the suitcase. Let's make sure we don't carry it forward. If you've developed during a, a pandemic bad habits or addictions, deal with it so that you don't have to take it into your future. If you've got a sin issue going on in your life, listen, bring it to Jesus and then start the discipline process of accountability with another believer and get through it. Don't let that sin determine your future. Sin will stop it. So get rid of the sin in your life. And listen, that's all of us. We all develop things in the seasons of our valleys, our losses. But let's not take it with us. Can I get an amen? Some of those things that we need to do is we got to learn to keep forgetting. He says, forgetting those things that are behind. He doesn't say forget as a one-time event. It means that you got to learn to regularly discipline your thoughts in order to do that. Clara Barton, who was the founder of the American Red Cross, had a lot of enemies. And when asked if she remembered something a person had done to her, she said, I distinctly remember forgetting. You know what that says? I don't know any business leader, any successful person in parenting, any individual that really does something great in their life that doesn't learn how to do that. They have self-control and they discipline their mind to not consistently go to the negative things. I distinctly remember forgetting those things. Some of us have disappointments in losing a job or a friendship or health issues. But listen, 
If we recite all the negative in our head all of the time, our direction follows the focus of our attention. And God's vision for our life gets neglected. So if we pay attention to those things, we don't have room for God things. So we need to leave it behind so we have room for God things. Can I get an amen to that? Eugene Peterson has a statement about the disciplines of of everyday life that Christians need to have. And he says, repentance is the first word in Christian immigration. (laughs) I like that. As we move into the new lands that God has for us, repentance means that we need to learn to do this regularly. You know what repentance is? Repentance isn't saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is even saying, I did it. Repentance, you're walking this way, Repentance is changing the way you walk and you go in a different direction. Repentance means that I did this, but now I do this. Following Jesus, I followed myself, I followed the world, but now I follow Jesus. But in your mental realm, what it means is, I used to ruminate all, over all the negative day and night, and I talked to people that reinforce that. I went to websites and I followed people on social media that all reinforce the negative. Repentance is to say, I'm no longer going to follow those voices. I'm going to follow a different way. It's learning to think in a different way. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. By the way, this includes leaving things behind, includes leaving some of those things that are spiritually good things. Not resting on past successes in prayer or witness or service and ministry or sacrificial giving or burden for the community. I did those things before. If we camp out on what we did, we don't have room for what we can do next. So let me just talk about that. So he says, forgetting those things which are behind. Secondly, Paul says, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. In other words, I don't put certain things in my suitcase, but I do put other things in. So what are the things that he wants to put into the suitcase? See, Paul's entire life had changed. His prize was Christ, knowing him and living for him every day. He was living forward. To follow Christ is to have a tug into the future, a tug towards an ever-increasing establishment of God's kingdom. There's a new dream, a new vision that every believer is meant to be continuously chasing. We're not meant to stay the same. We're not meant to hold on or go backward. To be a person of faith means that we have a tug to the future. Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. I want to give you three things that you got to have that carry on baggage. Three things that you do need to take with you. you know, to set this up, I want you to look at Psalm 77. Psalm 77 says this, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. That word remember in in Psalm 77 is the Hebrew that often means to consider or attend to. Remember I said forget is to neglect, but to remember you intentionally pay attention to. 
So what are you to focus in on? Three things. First one is this. God's mercy and goodness. God's mercy and goodness. Psalm 23, the psalmist says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, I look over my shoulder and I think about the past, and all I can see is the goodness and mercy of God. So if I'm going to think back, I'm going to remember he forgave me of my sin. He answered my prayer. He took care of me in that dark time. I choose what I'm going to remember about my past. There's a responsibility that we have to discipline ourselves to remember that God is merciful and kind. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That, listen, this is so powerful in spiritual warfare. When you are battling in the battle of the mind during the week, when you get into an argument with somebody and it unsettles you, you feel like you lose your peace. When the enemy comes at you and tries to say that nothing good is in store for your future, that's the moment that you need to remember, wait a second, I was a sinner destined for hell, unworthy to be called a child of God. And yet Jesus died for me. He called me into his family. I have a good, good father that loves me. I'm owned. I'm a part of a family. I have value. I matter. And when you remember those things, you win the battle over the enemy. You win the battle over the enemy. There's so many things when we look over our shoulder that God has done for us, his goodness. Just think of all the good things he's done for you in your lifetime. The friendships that he's brought to you. The provision he's given you. The job that he gave you. The church that God planted you in. Come on, somebody. All the good things. Yeah, you can list on, on social media all the bad things, and you can hear all the people talking about this and that about political things and things that are going on outside. But shut that door, baby, and remember the goodness of God in your life. The second thing that you've got to make sure it makes it into your carry-on is good things that you've seen and experienced, not just to you, but around you. Deuteronomy 4.9, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. This speaks of victories that you've experienced or seen. Answers to prayer. Growing up, I can recall having nothing, not knowing what was next. And my mom would just say, something good's going to happen. Just trust the Lord, honey. Just trust the Lord. And when I was a kid, I'm like, that doesn't help me right now. What do you mean? And she would pray. My dad would pray. And sure enough, God would make a way for us. There'd be food on the table. 
be clothes on our back. There'd be a house to stay in. When I didn't know and I was uncertain in my high school years, would I ever have a girlfriend? Well, I was insecure about sports and other things. And I was dealing with stuff. My mom and dad, they would pray and they would just trust God and they would move on. I observed their faith. Deuteronomy says, don't forget those things that you've seen. Don't forget that there's somebody in your life that's been praying and living the right way. Even if you didn't grow up in the right family, God has brought people along your path to show you Christians that are real. Spirit-filled people that really live the right way. While the world wants to shout about all the fake people and all of the, the scandals of even people that are in the church, don't you get focused on all the bad stuff. You know that there's praying grandmas. There's praying people. There's consistent, faithful, loyal uh, people who are committed to the word of God, living the right way. There are people in your life that are doing that. Focus in on those things. And don't forget mom and dad to tell your kids about it. Don't forget to share the story with your children. We have a generation of kids that are growing up in the worst era ever for stuff floating around in social media and words and paradigms and authorities. Evil is being called good and good evil. You can't change the world around your family, but you can deal with what you represent to your kids. They better see and hear what comes out of your mouth to be a man of God, a woman of God living before your family. If you don't have kids, but you got a spouse or you got friends, you better live the righteous, holy life in this hour. Because listen, someday they're going to look at you and they're going to say, surely goodness and mercy are following them. I want that goodness. I want that mercy in my story. Ah, can you hear me, church? We got to be people who remember the right things, focusing on the truth and follow a loving God who will never leave us or forsake us. Third and the final thing that you better make sure makes it into your suitcase if you're gonna make it in the future is a spiritual family. A spiritual family. We need each other for healing, for encouragement. We need each other. When we're together, the enemy cannot shut us down. Hebrews 10, 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. As a pastor, one of my greatest concerns over the last 18 months has been the spiritual vitality of the people that call Emmanuel their home. I'm not responsible in my prayer life for every other church in the world. I'm only responsible for you. And that's a scary thought when I stand before Jesus someday. But I ask the Lord, Lord, what do I need to pray about? What do I need to see as a shepherd? And my greatest concern is about sheep that leave the flock and are alone. 
Jesus, you know, he'd leave the 99 to go after the one. Why would he do that? Because the one that leaves is vulnerable. The one that leaves is no defense. When you're together with the flock, the flock is your defense. You're together. But when you wander away, you open yourself up to all kinds of attack. The elements of of the world around you can pull on you. It can hurt you. It can damage you. It can destroy you, pervert and destroy what's on the inside. And so as I've looked at this last 18 months, what happened? Now all of a sudden we had to shut down. Nobody could be in the building. And everybody's, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Then we reopened. And churches everywhere, when we reopened, Maybe 25% of the church came back together. Then over the last year, we've kind of have ebbs and flows of different, you know, case volumes and all of those things and, 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 and laws around us have changed and people have kind of adapted their own new normals. The new normal of this is how I do church. I'm thankful for online church. I'm thankful for we can be reconnected that way. Really grateful for that. But I know this. Something is missing if that's all you've got. If all you have is just watching a sermon or worshiping online with people and then you move on with your life, you're missing the family. You are missing the spiritual connection where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus said, then I'm there with you. There is something that is so important and I know I'm speaking to people who are listening to me right now. But I also know this. Many of you that are listening to me, you come to church once a month. Think back over the last month. Think back to your patterns. Think forward to your patterns. And so you're getting once a month family. Thank God you are. But I'm just saying this. Once a month is not going to cut it for your future where God wants to take you. There needs to be a rhythm of life. And I'm not just talking about in sanctuaries where you just get the sermon from me and go home. I don't want theater religion. I'm talking about where you linger after a service, where you pray for other people, where you gather together in a, in a connect group at home, where you're praying, you're going out to, to lunch with your friends, or you're w- welcoming new people into the family. You're discipling or receiving discipleship. You're doing something more than just passively sitting back and observing a sermon and then going, ah, it's okay, that's all right, let's move on with our life. Listen, you can accept or reject what I'm saying to you right now, but I'll tell you what will make even more of a difference in your story. When you begin to practice what I preach with other believers, When you discover from my mental health, I need other people that love Jesus and have a positive outlook. I need to be amongst other believers. Listen, the rest of your week, what are you around? This is the one time you gather together that it's the family of God with all of our warts and all of our scars, with all of our junk. When we come together, we are the beautiful bride of Christ. Jesus shows up. He does something in your story. Come on, somebody. And as a church, can I challenge you to make sure that you do more than just observe. Make sure that you have spiritual family in your suitcase. 
So, what have we lost? What are we meant to leave behind? Some of us may need to deal with pain or forgiveness. Name the loss, give it to God. Seek out a mature mentor or a professional counselor, but do something. Make room for God by emptying out the suitcase. What have we learned and how have we grown and what should we be putting back in the suitcase? The goodness and mercy that's over our shoulders to consider the God things that we've experienced because God can do it again. Come on, somebody. And remember God's family, how you can update your connection to the family. Would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. Boy, you can tell it when I've been gone for a little bit. Church, I love you. I love you, and I love you enough to say, lead in. Don't push away. Don't stay in the lukewarm. Open up everything that's going on to the Lord. Empty out the things that need to get let go. But lean into all that God is about to do because he's about to take us somewhere. He's not done with you. We're gonna sing on all of our campuses in a moment on the goodness of God. Before we do that, can you just lift your hands to the Lord? Father, we come before you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you had us on your mind when you died on the cross. And then when you rose from the dead, you declared life, the church began. And you said that you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against her. So I pray, oh God, to all of the pieces of our life uh, that are on the ground, all the uncertainties of the last season that we've been in, Lord, we put them before you. We ask that you'd put Humpty Dumpty back together again. That, Lord, you would build a new future, Lord, because we're letting go of the past and we're embracing the new. Everything that you want to do. I pray for marriages to be restored in Jesus' name. I pray for hope to be found in husbands and wives. I pray for courage to do the right thing. I pray in Jesus' name that you call the prodigal home, Jesus. People that have wandered off, you bring them back. Lord, Lord, put it in their heart to be back in daddy's house, we pray. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that there would be something constructive going on. The Spirit of God would be building your church. And even as we worship you, we choose to remember all the good things that you have done for us. We remember Jesus. You forgave us of our sin. Lord, you set us free. You placed us in the family. We have a hope and a future because of you. We declare it out loud. Right now, church, lift your voices. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.